0: Welcome to the Obsessed or Not Interested podcast. I am your host, Mindy wender Querio and I'm a small town go-to girl next door who is obsessed with helping others see more for themselves so they can thrive in all areas of life. I love researching all the things like wellness, mindset, relationships, you name it. If I'm obsessed with it, I get hyper-focused on it and I research the crap out of it, and then I share it with you. If those are things that you're also obsessed with, then keep listening and let's become new best friends. All right. So hi, Melissa. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited. I get to have my friend and also my functional medicine doctor. And she's worked with, she's worked with all my kids. Basically, (laughs) she was my chiropractor, then started helping me with like functional medicine stuff. And I had hormone imbalances and just all the things we'll get into that. But before we do, I just want, okay, so Melissa Vandermissen, she (laughs) is a board certified chiropractor and a certified functional medicine uh, practitioner. So before I want you to take us back, how come (laughs) you got into this? Like, just share your story. Well, believe it or not, I was actually in
1: undergrad and I took my PCATs and I was ready to go to pharmacy school. And (laughs) I never knew that. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. But I did a 180, obviously, since I ended up in chiropractic school. Um, I was working as a pharmacy technician for a while. And I decided, you know, this is this is not for me. Absolutely not for me. I just um, was never into pharmaceuticals as a first line of defense. Um, That's how I grew up. We always saw chiropractors and natural doctors. So I ended up completely doing a 180 with that and was in chiropractic school, obviously graduated and started practicing and such. And I was really into um, prenatal care, doing something called the Webster technique, which worked on pregnant women to allow for optimal fetal positioning, which can help labor and the birth process be a little bit more easy if it is even something you can say. Um, but then after I had my own daughter and sort of lost my health during that postpartum journey, which a lot of us moms do, especially with the first, but even when you're having multiple and all of a sudden, like it's just hitting a brick wall and your body's saying, no, <laughs> you need to start doing something different. So that was kind of like my final push to get into functional medicine. Cause I had really been kind of dabbling in it, um, beforehand, but that was like the final push in my, I, I just knew that was what I needed to do. So, um, did my pro- postgraduate training in functional medicine and, um, I started incorporating that in my chiropractic office with some of my patients that I was closest with. And I knew that could Me. <laughs> benefit from this. And the first couple women that I was working with that were told they could not have children because of so-and-so hormone imbalances, Um, ended up pregnant within just a few months of working on their hormones, just so that they would feel better. Like our end goal was not to conceive, but that is what happened. And I am here thinking, hmm, (laughs) I think I'm onto something. (laughs) I think this is like God's way of pushing me into this field, which, you know, I started chiropractic and in the beginning I was like sports chiropractic. And now I am working in the holistic fertility space, which you just don't (laughs) always know where you're going to end up. A hundred
0: percent, a hundred percent. And that's, and that's where I, uh, just so you guys know, we met because my ex-husband, Brad, and then her husband, Chris, they're like big hunters and whatever. And, (laughs) Brad must have been talking to Chris about something and he's like, she should go see my wife. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm all about all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And I will say I've had three kids and the first labor was, I, I didn't use anything for all three kids, like no epidural, no nothing. That was like my birth plan or whatever. But I will say they were, they, the, the doctor and the nurses in there, they were like, what's happening? Cause I was sleeping in between pushes, not contractions, people Mm -hmm. in between my pushes, it would be such a long gap. I just fall asleep. I was so relaxed. (laughs) It was the most Zen labor and delivery I ever had. And I had been working with you for my entire pregnancy. So anyways, if you you can keep going, but I just wanted to mention that, like how Mm -hmm. that, that all makes sense, how you fell, this fell into your lap, basically.
1: Yes. Like it was obviously not part of my plan, but we know that our plan is not God's plan.
0: So yes, God will laugh when you tell God (laughs) you have a plan. He's just like, yeah, okay. Exactly. Yeah. You're going to be a sports
1: chiropractor someday. No, you're going to actually be helping repopulate the earth with healthy babies. That is his plan.
0: (laughs) A hundred percent. And by the way, what's so funny too, is I didn't know this part of your story is that you wanted to be a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. which I can see that because you do deep dives and you're very into like helping people feel better and heal and stuff. But I I love that you're like, you got into that and you're like, ah oh, yeah, no, yeah, a no. different way. <laughs> I'm gonna do it a different way, my own yes. way. So, um So you know that I work with a lot of women and talk to a lot of women on social media and I'm in the wellness space and all that stuff. So I talk to women and they're always complaining about, feeling off and they feel almost like they're broken, right? Mm. They feel like, I don't know. I don't remember anything or, you know, and I won't go into that, but I'll have you speak on that. But I'm always like, because I experienced that after actually my third baby, it's just like, I never had anxiety, never had depression. And then all of a sudden, boom, after that, I was Mm -hmm. like, what's this feeling? And then all the other things came with it. So when I'm talking to women online and they say this, I'm right away thinking, Hormonal imbalance. So mm-hmm. what are some symptoms? Cause people online right now are listening to this podcast. They might be thinking, I'm broken. Do I, I have, have do I have something wrong with yeah. my brain and whatever? So what are some of the symptoms that women come to you and experience? And you're just like, oh my gosh, that's hormone imbalance. Let's do X, Y, and Z. So mm-hmm. what are those symptoms?
1: So just to re- rewind a little bit where you were talking about postpartum. So there is actually something called postnatal depletion because think about what we're doing. We're growing a human inside of us, which takes a ton of our nutrients from us. And after just the birth happens, we lose a lot of blood. There's a lot going on in our body. Our body at that point is like, holy shit, I just lost so much of the nutrients that I need to survive. That it can sometimes be again like hitting a brick wall where your body lets you know, okay, you are extremely depleted in specific nutrients. Iron is one of the biggest ones that I find in women after birth I again think about how much blood whether you're having a vaginal de- delivery or a c section delivery we're still losing blood and a baby during that last trimester is really using our blood reserves um, because they have to take what we have to build them up so that is something that i find so so common all of my women that i work with during preconception fertility pregnancy stages I actually have them send me labs before they're released from the hospital so I can see what their iron looks like at that point in time and know okay this is how much we have to supplement in on top of eating a healthy diet with plenty of iron um so yeah that's a big one and a lot of times and I know this sounds a little bit odd because it's not always tied to iron deficiency but anxiety can be tied to iron deficiency in women ah huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I
0: had no idea. So that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yes. Magnesium. Also a big one. We really, really want to double down on magnesium, um, not only during pregnancy, but after baby comes, because especially if mom is nursing, you think about all the nutrients that are then going out through milk, um, B vitamins. There's just, there's, there's so much that is depleted and, if we're not taking good care of ourselves, if we're not continuing to eat a healthy diet and especially be on just a, a good prenatal multi, but then on top of that, those other things that you are going to need more of. Okay. Um, so
0: let me just stop you right there. Cause now I have yeah. questions I'm taking notes, <laughs> but so let's just say I had a baby and I was feeling mm-hmm. these ways and I'm like, and I heard this podcast, could I go and just take, find, magnesium, iron, B vitamins, a pre- and continue on my prenatal? Could I do that? Or do you think it's better off to get labs and not guess those levels?
1: Um, I would say with magnesium, it's pretty hard to do too much ma- magnesium. If you have too much magnesium, what you would simply see is loosened bubble movements. That's usually a sign that you've got too mag- too much magnesium. Um, but yeah, like a good prenatal that has methylated B vitamins, super, super important. Um magnesium, my favorite forms of magnesium are magnesium glycinate, magnesium malate, um, magnesium citrate, which can be helpful for um, just kind of calming the gut. Those are really hard <laughs> to over supplement in for so for the most part it would be a pretty simple thing to incorporate in after as far as iron goes that's one that you would like to have a blood test up to see your current levels because there is such thing as getting too much iron so you want to make sure that you're working with some type of a provider that can do the proper testing and determine what type of dosing but as far as iron postpartum period making sure that you're getting plenty of in your diet i'm pro animal protein pro meat so that is something that I have my women uh, make sure that they are consuming as meat on a regular basis.
0: Okay. So that all makes sense. Um, and then B vitamins, you said methylated that's for everyone, not just people with the MTHFR you're saying everyone should. Okay. Just want to yes. be clear.
1: Yes. Even if we do not know our methylation status, if we haven't had the genetic testing with MTHFR status, it's still smart to make sure that we have a methylated or an activated B vitamin, which means that's the way it's found in nature. So why would we go against the way God puts certain things in nature, the way that they're found in our leafy greens? So if you were to eat leafy greens and you're getting those B vitamins, they're in that activated or methylated form. So why would we want to consume B vitamins that are in a synthetic non-activated form because a majority of the people now we're finding upwards of 50% have that genetic mutation where then they're not able to take that non-methylated form, activate it, and then use it for all the different bodily function. DNA synthesis is part of this. So that's extremely important when you're developing developing a baby is that you want to make sure that you are activating um, those, those B vitamins, because it's super important with building the DNA of that baby.
0: Yeah. Okay. That is so good. And actually I never thought about the methylated vitamins like that. Like they, act. you're like the ones that everyone takes that aren't like, it's kind of like screwing up what God created. Yes. There's more processing then that happens.
1: Yes. There's, there's more,
0: Yes. There's, acid. there's
1: things that happen behind the scenes as far as all these different energy and methylation cycles to activate those, those vitamins into a usable form. Okay. The reason why they're used is because they're cheap uh. and it can be thrown into say anything <laughs> that is a cereal or flour product that says enriched uh. run the other way. Don't eat it because that is not a Methylated or activated or usable form of those vitamins or minerals, anyway.
0: Okay, I we could nerd out on this forever. I'm like, I know. <laughs> so, so okay, if you want to do so, okay, let's just say that's for people who just had a baby. So at least this is so. If you just did have a baby, you would say, could these people experience these symptoms of postpartum? How many months? Like, could it be six months, a year after? A few years, even. Yes.
1: The postpartum period is a very long, long period. Even after say a mother is still nursing a year later, she may still have the effects of that birth for upwards of a couple
0: of years. I for sure did. I for sure had it, but I wasn't like, I I was nursing for a little bit over a year. So that makes so much sense because I was, Mm -hmm. I really thought I was broken. So for any moms or new moms that are listening to this, or even somebody who's walking around with a a two or three-year-old, you're not crazy. This could Mm -hmm. be your reasoning. So it's important to, we've talked about magnesium, methylated B vitamins, um, nothing run away from enriched on, (laughs) on any processed foods and stuff like that. And then get test, test your iron levels. Now for somebody though, that maybe doesn't even have any children or far out, what are some symptoms of hormonal imbalance that you see in women that you work with? Mm -hmm.
1: I would say the few of the most common that I get with women, especially like when I'm looking through all my intake forms of women that are applying to be a client with me, fatigue is huge. I think that's just across the board. Um, Not sleeping well, hair thinning, hair loss, skin issues, brain fog, irregular cycles is also huge. And that is just sometimes like kind of pushed, pushed under the rug as not an issue. So the average cycle for women is around 28 days, give or take a few days in each direction. Um, and so if you're shorter than 24 days, if you're longer than 35 days, you've got an imbalance of some sort. And I'm, gonna go out there and say the birth control pill is not gonna fix it unfortunately that is literally the only option if you're seeing a conventional medical doctor because they they're not taught the other options which is i mean that's not their thing that's fine like they're out there saving lives delivering babies i didn't sign up to do that that's their thing um so i don't blame them at all for not having those other options it's that we have to expand as you know, a whole and all, all doctors and clinicians need to work together for the, for the better good of the patient and um, really figuring out what is causing that hormone imbalance in the first place. Is there some type of a gut infection? Has someone been exposed to toxins, Um, whether it's like beauty care products, and you're putting stuff on your skin every day that has all these synthetic chemicals that mimic estrogen, that obviously is going to have an impact on your body. It's going to basically clog up your cell receptors where the estrogen is supposed to bind. You know, mold exposure is something I feel like is getting a little bit more traction these days where it's maybe not being brushed off as, Oh, you know, it's nothing major. It is, it is something major. A lot of people have had that. Not everyone has negative effects of it, but it can be a huge trigger towards hormone imbalance for women as well. Um, stress. Oh, that's stress a big is one. huge. That's <laughs> a bit, whether it's emotional stress or physical stress. So someone may be doing really well as far as their emotional stressors that they, you know, maybe they are single, or maybe they're just newly married. They don't have children yet. And they feel that they're really stable with their career and such, but their physical stressors may be the cause. And I, and I'm thinking as far as like, maybe they're over exercising, they're doing HIIT workouts, you know, five, six days a week, they're running marathons. Those are physical stressors on the female body because we have to pay attention to where we are in our cycle in kind of gear, our workouts with those hormone changes during our cycle. Okay.
0: I feel like I'm going to have you on and we're going to do a whole episode on <laughs> uh, that. Because... I'm
1: working out and such, right? Yes. I be because
0: I could right now I'm like holding myself back. Cause I have so many questions. I want to ask you about this <laughs> stuff, but I'm like, okay, let's just go on a tangent, but okay. We yes. won't. <laughs> That'll be in an upcoming episode Episode mm-hmm. when we talk about Dr. Melissa is very, very, very knowledge, knowledgeable on this about talking what workouts you should do based off your hormone imbalance. And then also with your cycle, like it's, it's so fascinating. It's you're hearing about this a lot online right now, mm-hmm. but I want to make sure I have Dr. Melissa come back on here to give you, because if you look online on social media, it's could be like, I, I, I'm I actually bashing myself, an influencer or like whoever talking about this and sharing something that I read on a blog or whatever, but hearing, I like to go to Melissa and ask her because I know she's done extensive research. She knows the women's cycles and all the things it's, it's key, but that'll be for another mm-hmm. episode. Yes. So you, so here's the thing that I remember I was doing, and I don't know if you were, but back and I just I talked about this on a past episode about working out is I was overworking out and mm-hmm. you never think you think you're doing something good. So you think you're doing something so good for your body and I'm doing HIIT workouts and Tabatas and doing all these things. What is that actually? So it's causing stress, which actually can lead to hormonal imbalance. Is that what's happening
1: Yes. So during certain parts of our cycle, depending on where we are, and again, we'll, we'll get into that in a different episode. I don't want to go too deep with that, but during certain parts of our cycle, we don't want to stress our system too much with too much cortisol because our body can't handle it during those times. And it's going to have a negative impact on say, whether or not we're going to ovulate, or if we're going to have healthy progesterone production during that luteal phase. So we just really want to, understand our cycle a little bit more and work with the ebb and flow of those, those hormones. And, um, for instance, like week two, when our estrogen and our testosterone are going to be peaking at their highest, that's the time where we can actually build more muscle as women. So if we're trying to do more weight training and say, we're like, um, adding more weight during cycle week one, that's not going to be a great time to do that. But if you do that during cycle week two, you actually can gain more muscle quicker than any other week of your cycle because how our hormones are stacked for us that week.
0: That makes so much sense. It's almost like you're cracking. It's the like coat. you're,
1: you're it's biohacking ch-
0: your own cycle. You're biohacking your own to get massive awesome results that you're that's, I mean, we're working out to feel good. We're working out to benefit Mm -hmm. our bodies, but also I think it's to feel strong and to look good and feel good. I think when you feel good, I'm not, I don't care how vain people think that sounds when you feel fit, Mm -hmm. you just carry yourself a different way and you're more confident. You're a better spouse. You know what I mean? When you feel confident, I don't know. That's just my two cents. So I love that. It's like a cheat code. It's a, it's Mm -hmm. biohacking. Yeah. So and walking,
1: okay. like, I think we underestimate walking and, 100%.
0: um,
1: I think that just seeing, and I know she's a good friend of your Shaleen, how she's talking about walking so much right now. I'm like, Oh, thank the Lord. I know. Like, let's just focus on movement every day. I don't care if you're out, um, you know, just taking a 10 minute walk a couple times a day or you're doing, you know, a 30 or 40 minute walk after your biggest meal, which usually is dinner. And that's when we should be doing it. Um, because then we're breaking things down and we're not storing all that, um, glucose and managing insulin and such as much, but yeah, walking can be so powerful. And I think just incorporating that more and not focusing as much on, you know the the intense workouts because none of us are getting younger. That's <laughs> what I was just gonna are, say. Yeah, me and you we're the same age. We're literally yeah. exactly the same age. We're about a week apart. Yeah, and we we're nearing those changes. Like they're starting to happen where we actually need to stay, take a step back from those more intense workouts because they're really gonna start working against us
0: mm-hmm. as and- our
1: hormones start to change.
0: Yeah. And I can already feel it. Melissa, um, at age 39, I can feel that when I do a hit workout or I don't, I used to feel, Oh, Mm -hmm. I feel so good. I feel, I don't feel that way anymore. If I went for a run right now, although that is more steady state, like it's not the hit up and down Mm -hmm. or whatever, but it's just the impact and everything. I'm like, why am I killing my, I don't need to do this. My body's telling me literally, this isn't working for you. And I enjoy walking actually just side note, and then we'll get into more questions about walking. So if you go to Instagram, it's at Chalene Johnson. She has like a 14 day thing going on that it's so good because she's Mm -hmm. focused on just something that's easy to do for anybody. Mm -hmm. It's easy to do for all of us. Like you literally can just get up from this podcast when her, when Melissa and I are done, we could get up and just go on our. We live in the UP of Michigan, so I do, I personally have a walking pad. <laughs> I have a treadmill. So I mean
1: it's I'm getting... outdated, but you know, it's got it's got a port for your iPod. So that's yeah, how old my my treadmill is. That is pretty old but and I love works. that.
0: <laughs> and that's what it that's what okay. So if you if you can get outside, get outside. And mm-hmm. we should be very bl- if you're I'm looking outside at the UP right now and there's no snow on my deck, it's the first winter that I can remember that there's no snow in February. (laughs) So I could get out walking, but I hate being cold. So I have a walking pad. You can just walk in place. Mm -hmm. But anyways, follow Chalene Johnson. It's at Chalene Johnson on Instagram. She has a challenge. I think that would be really, really good for you, especially if you're doing the intense stuff right now. I think that's great. So speaking of walking, let's go into what are some things. So that's one thing you can do. So mm-hmm. we already talked about walking and things like that. I know you mentioned chemicals and removing those. So what are some lifestyle changes that it's like a tangible thing that somebody could get off this podcast today and be like, okay, Melissa said to do this. I'm going to do it.
1: Okay. Um, how about let's talk about first thing in the morning. Okay. What are people usually consuming first thing in the morning? Yeah. <laughs>
0: I had to change. Dr. (laughs) Melissa made me change. So you guys have to too.
1: I knew something that would hit you personal. (laughs) You didn't have to admit it, but of course I knew you would because that's, that's who you are. You're going to be honest. honest. (laughs) Um, but yes, so caffeine first thing in the morning on an empty stomach is a no, no for especially cycling women. Once we are in menopause, it's completely different situation, but cycling women Caffeine on an empty stomach first thing in the morning is not a a good thing because it's affecting our cortisol output, which can have an impact on our hormones. So what I would say is consume, whether it's just plain water in the morning, maybe warm lemon water, water with apple cider vinegar in it, your electrolyte drinks with water first thing in the morning, have something in your stomach before, as far as food, before you're consuming that coffee. And I'm not anti-coffee in any means because I have coffee right here. (laughs) You'd be proud. I have a matcha. A Good job. (laughs) Mine is the, the mushroom blend coffee, um, organic mold free, all the things. So, um, but yes, so that would be something water first thing in the morning and then have some type of food in your belly before you're going to consume that caffeine or coffee. And that's just going to help with our cortisol regulation and also our blood sugar. Cause it can spike your blood sugar when all of a sudden you have a peak of um, cortisol from caffeine. Okay. So it's pretty simple. It doesn't have to be a huge meal. It can be even just a protein shake or you know, I'm trying to think a boiled egg. Okay. Something that has some good protein in it.
0: Yeah. So what I do, so this happened to me, I was like, Melissa, seriously, I feel like (laughs) I'm four months pregnant by 10 AM. I'm so bloated. And I made this change. I think it was maybe last year, you and I spoke about this and you're like, dude, I think it's the coffee. So what I did is I started to drink and if you've listened to my morning routine stuff, you'll hear this, but I drink a ton of water and then I go in the kitchen and I make like a supplement thing with like electrolytes and power greens to like balance the acidity, out, whatever the pH levels. And then, um, maybe I put something else in there. I don't know, but it's just all supplements. It's nothing like that. And then either it's like a hard boiled egg or a half mm-hmm. a banana or my Shakeology. And I don't do a full serving of Shakeology in the morning. Cause I'm just not somebody who's hungry in the morning. So that's what I do. And then I do all that while I do my skincare and get ready. And then I usually, I try to wait 30 to 90 minutes before having coffee in the morning. That's just me. I'm I'm trying to switch to matcha. So is that like a good plan?
1: Yeah, I think that's great because our cortisol will naturally peak within an hour of waking. That's our cortisol awakening response. We don't really want to interfere with that natural cortisol rising with caffeine. So if we can try and get past that first hour and then have our caffeine, if we are someone that is drinking a caffeinated beverage, that would be a better option. And matcha is great. Green tea is great. There's L-theanine in there, which is an amino acid that actually just helps
0: modulate your neurotransmitters. Oh, look at me vision of health over here. (laughs) I'm just like, Oh, Courtney took Kardashian and Travis Barker drink it. So I'm going to try it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That is not the reason, but okay. So for lifestyle changes that you can easily do right now, if you have any of the symptoms that she'd mentioned for Could be a sign of hormonal imbalance. Obviously she would need to test you before just labeling you as having hormonal imbalance, but okay. So no coffee. We're going to be walking more instead of killing ourselves, Mm -hmm. doing HIIT workouts. What else can we do?
1: Getting sunshine every day. I mean, for you and me, there's it it's Art. pretty gray out there right now. It is. <laughs> um, thankfully, Florida is just a plane trip away. Yep. But um, trying to get outside, get fresh air, get some sunshine every day, especially first thing in the morning when you wake up, if you actually have the sun risen when you wake up, that's great. Then you don't live in the Arctic like we do. But um, <laughs> get outside and get some of that first morning sun such a benefit for your overall circadian rhythm, which can have an impact on hormones as well. But another great thing would be eating protein with each meal and the way that you can really kind of hack that blood sugar response, which again has an impact on hormones Our blood sugar and insulin response have an impact on everything in our body. So the way that we can really work with that to try and maybe negate such a a blood sugar peak if we're eating some carbs is we always start with our non-starchy vegetable. So if we have a salad with our dinner, start with your salad. If you have some broccoli or some Brussels sprouts, start with that non-starchy vegetable. Then Then you move on to your protein. So if you have some type of meat on your plate, if you have steak, if you have burger, if you have chicken breast, that's going to be what you eat next. Then you end with your carb or your starch. So say you have some sweet potatoes or mashed potatoes or rice or some pasta, that's what you end your meal with. Because if you start with that carb, you're going to spike your blood sugar right away. But what we're doing is we're kind of laying down the good stuff, we're, we're putting all the fiber in the body, we're putting the protein in the body first so that we're kind of slowing everything down. And then we put the carb or the starch in. And another thing, if you're gonna have dessert, which I'm not telling people that you can't ever have dessert, don't deprive yourself because then you're gonna end up just reverting 100% back to not caring. Eat your dessert, but have it right after your meal. Do not wait an hour or two and then have your dessert on an empty stomach. That is the oh, worst thing that we could do.
0: I <laughs> can't eat my, just. I always get it to go? And then I eat it after. Eat
1: oh it, man. Eat, eat it in the car. If you're at a restaurant, eat it on the way home, like let your food settle for a little bit, but then have your okay. dessert. Why is um, that? Because when you're, when everything is already moved and digested through your system, then you're just all of a sudden you're eating something that's sugar. You spike your blood sugar. And it's that abrupt spike that has such a negative impact on all sorts of bodily functions. So if we have some type of protein even before, so say you, you know, you had your dinner or you had lunch and there's this piece of cake on the counter that you're like, oh man, I really want that piece of cake. (laughs) And like, that's fine. Eat your piece of cake. But what I'm going to tell you to do, you can do a few things that are going to help that. Okay. Um. Don't drink any water with it because then you're going to actually decrease um, your, your acid in your stomach, which helps us break things down. So you don't drink water right with it. I know that goes against some people say, drink a lot of water with your food because then you're not going to eat as much. Well, you just decrease your stomach acid, which means you don't have the right stomach acid, which... Your, um, enzymes are not going to be produced properly. And then your bile is not going to be secreted as well either. And then your gastric empty emptying is going to be, um, limited. So, yes, that's like, makes
0: so much sense. Oh my gosh. Okay. So but anyway,
1: so don't drink your water with that piece of cake, have a handful of almonds or something that has some good protein or fat before you eat it. Even okay. if it's like a scoop of peanut butter or almond butter or um trying to think of something else you can do quick like a little i don't know a piece of some meat <laughs> a little <laughs> miniature beef stick
0: Be- <laughs> beef jerky a chunk beef jerky yes. then your cake
1: <laughs> salty then sweet yes <laughs> i love then it then eat your piece of cake and then what you're going to do after you're like oh that cake was so great i'm so glad that i ate that Do like 15 squats or go take like a five or 10 minute walk.
0: Because that helps with digesting.
1: Not just digesting. You're not going to, you're not going to store all that glucose. You're not going to have that insulin spike.
0: You're using it. Your muscles are actually actively using that glucose to work. Okay. That makes so much sense. I'm doing everything wrong. So thank you. No. This podcast was just my personal appointment because I like slam water so much. Like there's a place called Oddfellows in our town and it's very, very good food and yes. like very anyways, we, I could go off on that because I love that place, but <laughs> they have these little water glasses. They end up just leaving me the bottle of water. Cause mm. I'm just downing water. Downing. I'm like, they need to give me a big, wa- that's how much water I drink though. And you so- may end
1: up really bloated after eating them because you're not secreting the enzymes to break down your food properly because oh. you just change the pH of your stomach by drinking okay. that much water. Cause water's neutral. We want our stomach pH to be really acidic because that's, that's how things are set up. Yeah. Our body should be more of a a basic pH, like our extracellular fluid, blood and such, um, urine. And then our stomach should be really, really acidic.
0: Okay. That makes so much sense. And that keeps
1: the bugs away too. So yeah, literal bugs, but like bacteria, viruses, parasites, We don't have that low pH in our stomach, we're more prone to having those pathogenic
0: infections. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So, what's, let's maybe give them one or two more lifestyle hacks that they can do if they've had any of those hormonal imbalance symptoms. I know you're going to say sleep, aren't you? I,
1: that's my, I was like, (laughs) it's a coming out of my mouth. (laughs) Yeah. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a big one though, right? We spend so much time, so much of our life sleeping. Well, we should, because as women, we need to be getting at least eight hours of sleep. And for those that work the night shift, I'm not even really sure how to biohack that, but we really want to be getting to bed. I'd say like 10 o'clock is that cutoff time. And then sleeping till about six, if possible. I'm more of like a nine to nine thirty to about five thirty ish Um, because I'll usually wake up and then I get on my treadmill and do my 20, 30 minute walk in the morning, my vintage treadmill. But, you know, it, it
0: does With the her trick. iPod, her iPod's blaring. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I still have my iPod. OK, anyway, my daughter found my last summer. She's like, what is this? Oh, Brad found mine and he brought it to like one of Lane's (laughs) games. And I was like, it was like, he gave me like a million dollars. I'm like, do you know what is on this? (laughs) Anyways, I'm all about your vintage treadmill. Let's just say that. (laughs) Okay. So for me though, I was, you were telling me this because I was struggling so bad with anxiety and the anxiety. Well, I'm sure it's just like a mixture of all the things. Right. Mm -hmm, But I would wake up, I would get to sleep well, first of all, sometimes I would have a hard time getting to sleep. And then if I did get to sleep, I would wake up like clockwork in the middle of the night. And so you gave me some things about how to prepare before bed to kind of like wind yourself down, but then Mm -hmm. you gave me a supplement. So I still use that same one you gave me like two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a a different. Yeah. So what, what makes that work? Because melatonin does not work for me people. And I'm not saying, and it works for some people. Mm -hmm. It gives me nightmares. And then it only gets me to fall asleep. And then I wake up. This Mm -hmm. is works throughout the whole night. Yep.
1: And your melatonin levels might be completely fine. So if someone has sufficient melatonin, I surely wouldn't recommend taking more melatonin. That doesn't really make sense. Um, But what is in that specific supplement, which you take and I take every single night is there's the two forms of magnesium, those two forms I talked about before, which are my favorite forms, magnesium glycinate, magnesium malate, and then there's B6 in there. So B6 is one of those precursors, that really important B vitamin, and you wanna make sure it's methylated in the form of P5P. um, And that is actually going to help create all the calming neurotransmitters. So if you maybe are a little bit in- deficient in melatonin, you might not have to take melatonin. Taking a little extra B6, which helps create melatonin in your body, maybe something that will help you rather than actually taking the hormone, making sure your body has sufficient raw material to make that hormone in the first place would be how to be taking a more conservative approach to that.
0: Okay. So yes,
1: that would be one thing that is great. Um, I love that it's magnesium plus by seeking health. That's my favorite magnesium product. Um,
0: and just so so you guys know, I'm, we're going to give you how you can contact Dr. Melissa, and then she can help you with where to get these things. So her information Mm -hmm. are, it's going to be in the show notes, but also just hang out at the end of this episode. We'll tell you how to contact her because that's how I get mine. I don't think you can like buy it, right? You have to get it from that one. You
1: can, but there's a lot of other ones that, if you are buying them, say on Amazon, for instance, don't do that. You may be getting counterfeit products. Yeah. Which it may be like, I don't know, a sugar pill or something in there, or who knows what could be in there. So there are a lot of brands which I have to sign yearly whatever it's called I don't even know the word for it at the top of my head right now but to be able to distribute or sell their products to my clients so they have to go through a licensed provider to be able to get them so when you're finding those online and it's not through a doctor you more than likely are not getting the true product which is really really scary to th- yeah. To think and
0: I, I used to get all my supplements actually from Amazon just cuz it was easy. Shipping mm-hmm. used to it be fast. Yeah. Before <laughs> COVID, it's like yes. now it's like snoo- like okay, I don't have 2 weeks Amazon. But okay, So I would highly recommend to go through Dr. Melissa, somebody who you trust, or if you have a practitioner you work with, obviously, but we'll give you her information because not only that we're going to get into right now, I'm going to ask you some questions. So those were some lifestyle things. Now, what are some things like women coming to you again, feeling these symptoms that is more supplementation, like we're just talking about with the sleep Mm -hmm. supplement to help them balance their hormones now this is before they would get tested though. Yes. So, you know what I mean? Just like practical things that somebody listening and I recommend, and I know you'll say this too, I don't want to guess these things to make things more imbalanced. So I recommend getting tested. Dr. Melissa can help you with that, but let's just say, Hey, I want to start. Where can I start with supplements?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously a good multivitamin
0: okay. and I
1: know that there's been, news about that for decades that multivitamins don't do anything. Well, for one, they tested literally the shittiest multivitamin on the planet. And of course it didn't do anything in their research trials or their studies, because you took something that is completely synthetic that the body doesn't recognize and it didn't absorb and make a change. Well, doesn't take a scientist to figure out why. But if you're taking a very high quality supplement in all activated forms, whether it's whole food based supplement, or it's one that again, has sourced proper ingredients that are in their fully activated or methylated forms, then of course, that's going to have a positive impact on your body, because it is absolutely impossible to get all those nutrients through our diet nowadays. It really okay. is, unless you're practicing regenerative agricultural practices in your backyard and you have a garden and you have all your own animals, which is just not the norm for but for if, most people. If you're
0: doing that, yes. congrats though.
1: Exactly. <laughs> if you're doing that. Congrats. Because I am going to take some tips because we're getting mm-hmm. into the regenerative egg world. My husband and I, um, <laughs> are you, but yes, but it's for animal management. Oh, we're not.
0: <laughs> like I like it so much we have to talk about after this interview yes
1: the deer that we consume are very very well fed I'm going to tell you that much
0: (laughs) yeah that's what I was going to say I see what you guys eat because obviously we're friends and I follow both you and your husband and I'm like what are they eating tonight it's like different animal meat (laughs) wait was it cougar or am I wrong
1: oh I did not consume that my husband he got a bobcat it was bobcat
0: Oh, it was Bobcat. And so yeah. you wouldn't consume it because I don't know.
1: It just turned me off. And I know that I get it. Feline can be kind of dirty and yeah,
0: not interested in that.
1: Not interested in that. <laughs> okay. So I guess it tasted like pork. Oh. I'll just take their, we'll take his
0: root word root for fork. it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not going to try that one.
0: <laughs> what brand of multivitamin did you, did you say um, that already? I really <laughs> like
1: the seeking health one because okay, that's one I have. of the proper forms um, another one for females, which is great is the company called needed. So they have great prenatals. And then they also have a great just mul- um, women's multivitamin as well. Okay.
0: Okay. And then what other supplements would you recommend without being tested, though? So yeah. it's like kind of again,
1: magnesium, say. it's really okay. hard to overdo magnesium. That would be a great option depending on where you live. If you don't have access to proper sunshine, 365, then I would say vitamin D on top of that. Again, it's probably good to get a blood test to know where you're at. But even if you're taking just, say, 2000 IUs of vitamin D per day during those winter months, You're probably at least maintaining your levels at something healthy. If you need to bring them up significantly, depending on what a blood test says, then you would have to supplement more than that.
0: Okay. You said 2000.
1: Yeah, that would be just a very, very general.
0: What about if I see all the time, vitamin D is like it's vitamin D and K in a supplement. Is that fine? Yes. Or? Okay. So
1: depending on how much you're taking. So if you're consuming higher levels, especially higher than that, then you definitely want to make sure that you have D and K together. And a lot of supplements will have them combined. So you'll find either in a gel cap or a liquid, do not take like a tablet of vitamin D because you're not absorbing any of that vitamin D, vitamin K are both fat soluble vitamins, meaning they have to be with fat in your body to be absorbed. So that's why you find them in like a gel cap that has oil in it or liquid that is immersed in olive oil or hopefully some other healthy oil.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Any other supplements? I'm trying to think just off
1: the top of my head, that would be something kind of simple for women.
0: I was, I gonna, was, I was going to ask you about ashwagandha. Is that something? That,
1: Yes, that can be helpful. I feel like that's very—that's a very general adaptogen. So that okay. one could be pretty easily added in. Um, its I think I've maybe had in all of my years, maybe one or two women that didn't do well with ashwagandha, oh. which is very rare um, because there can obviously be allergies or just people that don't respond well to different herbs. But that one is pretty general and it's just a very general adaptogen, just simply meaning that it helps your body better adapt to stressors.
0: Okay. I feel like I, when I was trying to do, figure it out myself when I was having anxiety and stuff, mm-hmm. I felt like took ashwagandha to help with lowering my anxiety. Is that what somebody that a listener would be? Would that it, be correct? Yes,
1: it could. Magnesium could also be very helpful with that okay. one as well. Um, and just finding if there's maybe triggers to that anxiety. Okay. Like emotional type triggers too, not just nutrient deficiencies.
0: All right. Um, anxiety
1: can sometimes be also if you're like in your luteal phase and you didn't ovulate, or if you did ovulate, you didn't make enough progesterone, um, which can happen if we're under a lot of stress or we have other factors that our body is just not producing enough progesterone you more you may likely have those pms type symptoms where you have anxiety mood disturbances um, and just feeling literally like crap the week to two weeks before your period comes i just shared actually on my instagram i think it was last week can't keep track of the weeks lately but an herb called vitax or chase tree which actually works at your brain centers so it when when taking that herb it can actually work at the hypothalamus pituitary gland in the brain to work with your ovaries to produce more progesterone.
0: Okay. I love that. I just wrote that down because I'm going to, well, I'll just ask you. Be like, that's my,
1: that's my, that's probably the most commonly used herb that I use with my women clients is Vitex.
0: Okay. Good to know. Okay. So let's just say, but I'm going to switch gears in a second here mm-hmm. and go more into like fertility issues. Yes. But I was going to ask you, what was I going to ask you? Here comes my ADHD. Oh, I know. Um, if somebody who's like, okay, this is for sure me, I have hormonal imbalance and I don't want to guess and try this myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to just dabble. I want to just go all in, be tested. I know we're going to talk about this at the end, but just for right now, what should they do to contact you And how we, what would that look like with you working with them?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually have an intake form for new clients on my website, the If you go to apply, then you can fill out just just answer a few simple questions. And then I kind of go through those and contact back the women that I feel like would be good fits. And then we go from that point, we set up a 15 minute call just to discuss things so I want a little bit more history make sure that I feel that I can be of help to them because you know there may be some cases where I just don't feel like I am going to be the right doctor for them and I will kind of steer them in the right direction of someone that I do think would be a better fit for them from that point then it's all about filling out intake form and you know getting a really good history On that person so that we can determine what testing, if any testing from the start is going to be the best approach. Sometimes I don't start with testing. Sometimes I could tell that this person is just so depleted and so many nutrients that we just start building a healthy foundation. And then we start going into testing in the future. And one of the most commonly used tests that I use for hormones is the Dutch test, which is a urine based functional hormone test. And it gives a lot more information than just looking at a simple blood test. Though blood testing are very helpful with hormones. I like to see blood testing and the urine testing so that I can make the best decision on what, what protocol is going to be best for them.
0: Yeah. And you guys, what I've, I've done the Dutch test not just one time. So that's where we started. But then I like to check my hormones because just because you get them figured out, just because you figure out where you start Mm. and then you start working at them, it's good to want to invest in your health. Health, I know that this costs money and stuff, but especially if you're around our age, I'm 39 and it's important to get ahead of these things before you get into perimenopause or menopause. Mm -hmm. You don't want to have this, these things rolling over to those things, I just for me, that's how I am. I, I listen to a ton of things and research. And then I talked to Melissa and I just Melissa, I don't I'm sure you guys can tell, but she is very honest and straightforward with you. And if she feels you guys are a good fit, it works. And if not, I mean, can I say this? That we talked about Joey wanted had some things and concerns. I talked to you and you're just like honestly, and you pointed us in the right direction based on his needs and care, like care Mm -hmm. he needed. So I just think that's so, uh, that's the doctor I want is somebody who will literally be honest with me and be as obsessive as I am, which you are. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) you will deep dive and you're like studying (laughs) this and thinking about it. And I'll get texts from Dr. Melissa. Sorry. I'm just like going off on that, but she's helped my daughter, Lily, And she'll, you'll just randomly test Hey, I read this thing and (laughs) we we should try this with just random (laughs) thoughts. Like she's just always thinking about it. It's, and that's the kind of doctor you don't, you want, you don't want the doctor. That's just all about ego and like his following or her following. And there's lots of practitioners out there that are so well-known and everybody wants to get with them or whatever, but I'm like, I'd rather have somebody Who cares? Because these Mm -hmm. just because it's the highlight reel of social media. All these practitioners putting themselves out there because a reel on Instagram or TikTok went viral. Now all of a sudden, that's the doctor you want to see. No.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I I, don't get that. (laughs) I'm I'm a one person show. I I do everything for my for my business, and I want to keep it that way. So I don't take on too many clients that I know is going to overwhelm me because. I'm also a wife and a mom, and those are my priorities. I like to be able to bring my daughter to school every day and pick her up every day. So those are priorities of mine, but I want to also help women. So I schedule my stuff when I can around my family time. And I can have clients text me, and I don't have to look up in their chart certain things. I know exactly how to answer that depending on, you know, is this okay? Like that maybe they'll snap a picture of something in the grocery store and they'll say, should, is this something okay for me to be using right now? And I won't have to like look and research at their chart. I know that off the top of my head, cause I know my clients, especially the ones that I'm like actively working with in the beginning stages. Um, and I, that is, that is was a goal of mine that I wouldn't have to always be referring back to a chart because I'm overwhelmed. I have too many people that I'm working with. I want it to be, you know, very personal where they feel comfortable to send me a message about things that they probably would never even think of sending to their medical doctor. Oh,
0: a hundred percent. I can vouch for everything like that. Cause I'm like texting her pictures from <laughs> wherever I'm like, or I'm sick and I'm on a vacation. I'm like, what do I get? Cause yeah. she knows that I can't like, she can't help me like whatever. So it, Whole I can foods and get this right. Yes. Yeah. This will help you till you get home. And then it, it, I can vouch for this. This is it's just pure gold. Seriously, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Obsessed or Not Interested podcast. I love connecting with you on social media. So if you guys want, please shoot me a DM at either our podcast Instagram, which is at obsessed or not interested, or even my personal Instagram, which is at Mindy Wender. I check them both, so either is fine. Oh, and truly, if this has helped you even 1%, If you could do me huge solid and leave me a rating and review, that would mean the world to me. When you guys do that, here's here's why I really love it. It's because it helps the podcast be able to reach more women who want and need this. So truly, that is like the best compliment you could ever give me is just leaving ratings and reviews for this podcast. Anything that I talked about in today's episode, any links or resources, you will find that in the show notes. Thank you for listening to today. Can't wait to chat more in the DMs and don't forget to tune in next Tuesday.